Today from the Global Lane, persecutor of Christians and Uyghurs, China prepares for the Winter Olympics. How should the world respond? It is a key and strategic time to pray for our Christian brothers and sisters in China. Red-handed, the fingers of American elites stuck in the communist China cookie jar. They ended up getting very wealthy uh, by doing deals with Beijing including Joe Biden's family profiting from multi-million dollar deals with Chinese businessmen. In every single case, those businessmen had ties to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. And it's all right here on The Global Lane. With only days to go before the start of the Winter Olympics in China, the Chinese Communist Party is forcing lockdowns without explanation of entire communities near the Olympic Village. Also, the government is requiring people to be tested for COVID if they've recently purchased cough suppressants or other cold or flu medications. Our next guest has concerns for the Chinese people beyond pre-Olympic COVID lockdowns and testing. Todd Nettleton is chief of media relations at The Voice of the Martyrs. He's also host of VOM Radio and author of the book, When Faith is Forbidden, 40 Days on the Front Lines with Persecuted Christians. So, Todd, I'm assuming for Chinese Christians, there's more to be concerned about than COVID-19 lockdowns and testing prior to the Olympics. So usually events like this cause authorities to detain Christian leaders to prevent them from making contact with foreigners or causing embarrassment for the government. So what's the latest? What's happening to Christians in China as the Olympics approaches? Well, that is a great question, and I think some of that we will find out in the weeks to come, probably after the Olympics. As you mentioned, uh, it has been known to happen. I know I was in China before the 2008 Olympics, and one of the pastors that we met with on that visit, uh, as the Olympic Games got closer, he was detained. He was held throughout the Games and held a few days after the Games uh, to keep him from reaching out to Westerners to keep his story from being told as part of that Olympic coverage. Uh, so certainly as we get closer and closer, it is a key and strategic time to pray for our Christian brothers and sisters in China. And this treatment's really nothing new, right? Because many Chinese Christians say government control of their churches and lives has gotten worse in recent years. Yeah, it has gotten dramatically worse. It, it, it has become a surveillance state. Uh, the cameras are everywhere. The cameras are watching. They're hooked to facial recognition technology. Uh, and this is coming from the national level. You know, 10 years ago, we would say, hey, in this province of China, there's heavy persecution. But look over in this province, the church is operating without a lot of interference. Today, we can say it is happening in every part of China. It is driven by the national government. President Xi Jinping was formerly a provincial leader. His province was one of those known for heavy persecution of Christians. And so he has brought that to the national level now. And this is being orchestrated by Beijing all over the country. Even Christians communicating online, uh, on social media and so forth, organizing uh, meetings or prayer groups, uh, they're coming under attack. Tell us about that, Todd. Yeah, the government is constantly monitoring the online activity of China's citizens, including our Christian brothers and sisters there. And so uh, they are tamping down on online worship activities, online Christian activities. You can no longer order a Bible online in China. Uh, they, <laughs> you know, the Chinese communist government wants to control the hearts and minds of the people. And they see a follower of Jesus Christ as a direct threat 
because someone who says, my first priority is following Jesus, obviously their first priority is not being a good communist. And so uh, Christians are seen as a threat, their message is seen as a threat, and the government is doing everything in their power to keep that message from spreading. Okay, back to the Olympics now. I know Open Doors CEO David Curry is urging people, especially people of faith, to not watch the Olympics on television. Uh, low ratings, I guess, would send a clear message to Beijing about its religious freedom and human rights violations. I know VOM's taking another approach, China Prayer 2022. Please explain. Well, we know that uh, many people will be watching the Olympic Games. You know, some will choose not to, some will choose to watch. For all of those, though, we hope that the Olympic coverage is a reminder to pray for Christians in China. You know, we're going to see uh, events, we're gonna see figure skating, we're gonna see ski jumping. We'll probably see a lot of great shots of the Great Wall of China. We want every one of those things to be a reminder. Hey, I have Christian brothers and sisters in China who are suffering because of the name of Jesus Christ. This is a great time to pray for them. And so we have set up a website, Pray for China. 2022.com. We're encouraging people to say, hey, yes, I'm going to pray for Chinese Christians every day during the Olympics. You can register on the site. There's some tools to help you share on the site. There's some specific ways we can pray. Uh, but again, the, the key is we're going to use the Olympics as a reminder, a daily reminder to pray for our brothers and sisters in China. And, and what specifically should our viewers be praying? What do the Chinese Christians say? How can we pray? You know, one of the great challenges and great lessons for us is their prayer request is not pray that we won't suffer anymore, pray that the persecution will end. Their prayer request is pray that we'll be faithful to Christ in spite of the persecution. Uh, but we can certainly pray for a sense of encouragement for Chinese brothers and sisters. We can pray for God's protection over them, protection from their own government. We can also pray especially for those like Pastor Wang Yi who are currently in prison because of their faith in Christ. Okay, the website again, PrayForChina2022.com, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, Todd Nettleton of The Voice of the Martyrs, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. When President Richard Nixon and Henry Kissinger opened the door to China in 1972, China's economy stood at $144 billion. The average Chinese earned only about $132 per year. Today, 50 years later, China's economy has grown to a nominal GDP of nearly $15 trillion, and per capita income has grown to about $10,000. So how did that happen? From Henry Kissinger to the Bush family and the Bidens and many others, America's elite have helped China become what it is today. And our next guest says it's weakening America. Peter Schweizer is president of the Government Accountability Institute and a best-selling author. His new book just released is Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win. Peter, it's good to be with you again. So before we get into specifics here, Give us the broad picture. What's happening with American elite connections to China? How is it weakening our country? Well, uh, American elites in Wall Street, uh, Silicon Valley, and Washington, D.C., uh, have been saying for decades that if we provide China with capital, with access to technology, they would liberalize and become more like us. Uh, that hasn't happened. China's actually become more authoritarian. Uh, but when they sort of pushed for that bargain, uh, they ended up getting very wealthy 
uh, by doing deals with Beijing. So not only were they incorrect, they became wealthy through an arrangement by which we strike these commercial deals with Beijing and they're able to cash in. And the problem is that even though we now know uh, that this approach is not working, that China's becoming uh, stronger, uh, these elites don't want to give up the money and that the access that they have to the Chinese market. And that's why we're in the situation we are today. And you point out that as you help these Chinese companies, you're really helping the Chinese government and in turn helping Chinese intelligence. Now, let's go on to the Bidens. It's not just Hunter Biden who profited, but Joe Biden himself. Explain. Yeah, so I first broke the story about the Biden family's dealings with China back in 2018. And at that time, I thought it was simply a story of uh, corruption and cronyism and self-dealing by a political family. Uh, but with the new information that's come out, the Hunter Biden laptops, we've also gained access to other email connection of Hunter Biden business partners. Uh, we find it's not just a story of cronyism and corruption. It's actually uh, something that has a, a bit of a spy uh, tint to it. Uh, what do I mean? Well, we looked at those deals that the Bidens got. Uh, there's basically five deals. And we looked at the businessmen in China who made that happen. And what we found is that in every single case, those businessmen had ties to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. One of them, for example, who helped secure a $20 million deal uh, for Hunter Biden, uh, at the time he secured that deal was business partners with the vice minister for state security in China. Uh, this is the man in China that is responsible for foreign recruitment, uh, and he was also responsible for North American intelligence operations. Uh, another individual that helped make deals happen for the Bidens was at the time uh, business partners with the daughter of the Minister for State Security, who runs the entire spy apparatus for China. So this is not just a corruption story now. It, it has a very strong uh, tint of intelligence, espionage, and spying. Where does Joe Biden fit into this? Uh, the assumption has been this was all Hunter sort of freelancing. Uh, what the new information makes clear is that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, uh, when he was vice president, uh, and I think probably up to this day, uh, have intermingled finances, uh, meaning that Hunter Biden was paying Joe Biden's bills while he was vice president of the United States. So that means that while Hunter Biden is collecting the money, one of the beneficiaries of that money is Joe Biden himself. So what does this mean now that Biden is president and China is making threatening moves against Taiwan, the South China Sea, elsewhere, is the U.S. president in a compromised position? I believe he is. I mean, look at this in the context of the Cold War. Um, you and I are probably old enough to remember the Cold War. Imagine if uh, a family member of an American president uh, was doing deals with Russian businessmen during the Cold War who were linked to the KGB. That would be setting off alarm bells, uh, and it should. That is precisely the situation we are talking about today, uh, and I cannot for the life of me understand uh, why there would not be an immediate inquiry on Capitol Hill to find out exactly what those ties are, how deep they are, and what it means in the broader context. Well, not to mention Hunter Biden in Ukraine right now with the Russian moves on the border and uh, Biden's response. Uh, that would be interesting to look into that, what the Russians may or may not know if there's compromise there. Uh, what should be done about all this uh, with China? Uh, this is, of course, the president of the United States and his family. 
Yeah, I mean, here's the dilemma, right? What should happen is that Congress should immediately have a joint hearing. Uh, they should use their subpoena power to get to the bottom of this. And our uh, intelligence and law enforcement uh, agencies like the FBI should investigate it. The problem is that you have a lot of people on Capitol Hill from both political parties uh, who also have deals with Beijing. So they're not particularly interested in highlighting the commercial ties that the Bidens have, even though they are tinged with these relationships with uh, senior levels of Chinese intelligence. It would open a whole Pandora's box on Capitol Hill. You talk about Senator Feinstein, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, Republicans and Democrats, I might add. Uh, their family members have business relationships with China. Are the dealings unethical or criminal? Uh, I don't know if they violate laws. I'm not a lawyer, but they're certainly highly unethical. I mean, look, you look at any of them, whether it's Mitch McConnell and his family shipping business, uh, by which all of their ships are built by the Chinese government, uh, all the crews are provided by the Chinese government, the financing of the ships is provided by the Chinese government, the contracts to ship goods around the world are provided by the Chinese government. Uh, they have complete leverage over him. You could look at the Pelosi's, uh, you can look at the Feinstein's, you can find the exact same thing. This is an enormous problem of vulnerability that a foreign power, a foreign power that has been quite open in saying they want to supplant the United States as the supreme power on the planet, uh, that our leaders have commercial ties that puts them at the mercy of their whims. That's that's a huge problem for our country, uh, and we need to address it immediately. And I want to move on here. You have a chapter about Silicon Valley, Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg, former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, Microsoft's Bill Gates. That's only just a few that we can mention. How has their relationship with the Chinese compromised big tech and social media? And I'm thinking mostly censorship, propaganda here. Yeah, censorship and propaganda. But but the thing that was truly shocking uh, to me about the research on Silicon Valley is that these entities are uh, cooperating and funding research in China with institutions tied to the Chinese military, uh, and particularly in the sphere of artificial intelligence. Now, President Xi of China has said that if China can become the superior power in artificial intelligence, they will uh, uh, seize the commanding heights of the competition with the United States. What is Google doing? Uh, what is Microsoft doing? They are actually funding artificial intelligence research at laboratories in China that are linked to the Chinese military that are helping them in their competition with us. Okay, Peter, stay where you are. We're going to take a break. When we return, we'll take a look at China's influence on Wall Street, at colleges and universities. Also, Peter, I want you to set us straight on what we can do to save the American Republic. More now with Peter Schweizer, author of the book Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win. Okay, if people are just joining us, we've already discussed how American politicians in Silicon Valley are making tons of money from China. In return, China's making economic and military gains that are weakening the United States. Now, Peter, let's take a look at Wall Street. We don't have the time here to get into every example that you mentioned in your book, but based on your research, which Wall Street relationship with China do you find the most troubling? Well, I talk about Blackstone and BlackRock, which are two big asset managers. One of the most troubling, I think, involves Ray Dalio, who runs the largest hedge fund in the world. It's called Bridgewater Associates. Uh, Ray Dalio 
has been quite open in praising the dictatorial regime in China. He regards the number two uh, official in China uh, as um, uh, somebody who is an enormous force for good. He says spending time with him, he's a good friend, is like a quasi-religious experience. Well, you know, who is this individual? Uh, he is President Xi's enforcer. Uh, the Economist magazine calls him the most feared man in China because he throws people in jail and has them tortured uh, if they are political opponents of President Xi. Yeah, just ask the Uyghurs about that. And in higher education, you spend considerable time on NBA owner Alibaba executive Joseph Tsai and his influence at Yale. He gave them $30 million. So what's wrong with Tsai doing that? Anything? Well, the challenge is, is that these, uh, these executives linked to Chinese companies like Joe Tsai um, uh, try to hide the fact that the money's coming from overseas. Um, they list this as a donation from Tsai's American Foundation, but that American Foundation has no assets, according to tax filings. He's really pulling the money from his other foundations overseas. And the reason they try to conceal it is Yale University and other colleges are required to list foreign donations with the U.S. Department of Education. They try to hide that these donations are coming from China, and it is influencing the debate on our college campuses. It's an enormous problem. And, and it's not just Yale. You mentioned other colleges and universities. How is China influencing the minds of students at our institutions of higher learning? Uh, well, they do it by uh, manipulating or controlling the curriculum in some cases. You have other instances where uh, a guy named Stephen Schwartzman, who runs Blackstone, an investment firm, uh, actually sent $100 million to China to set up a scholarship program to send American students to China to study in that country. The problem is when you look at that curriculum, uh, the students, uh, uh, first of all, the curriculum is controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. American students are required to take courses in Marxism-Leninism, and there's no criticism of the Chinese government, obviously. So it's influencing college campuses in the United States, and it's also influencing American students who are going to study in China. And these efforts are being undertaken by American universities and American financiers, and they're apparently very happy to do the bidding of Beijing. And finally, Peter, there is hope, right? We're not too far gone. What can, should be done to reverse this course? Well, as I point out in the final chapter, there are people on college campuses in Silicon Valley and in Washington, D.C., who want to fight uh, for America and they want to meet the Chinese challenge. Uh, these are people in Washington, D.C. from both political parties. I think what we have to do is be very rigorous. We should not allow American tech companies to be do doing joint research, funding or participating in joint research with Chinese military or intelligence-linked companies. That just seems like a, a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. Uh, second thing is we should not allow Chinese companies to collect capital on American markets. Uh, that needs to be stopped. Uh, but we also need to have a policy of reciprocity. Uh, what does that mean? If China is going to prevent American media companies from reporting in China and from the Chinese people from being exposed to it, we ought to restrict Chinese media and propaganda arms from trying to influence the debate in the United States. Finally, right now, there are at least 23 former U.S. senators and members of Congress that are lobbying in Washington, D.C., on behalf of Chinese military or intelligence-linked companies. I believe that Americans have a constitutional right to petition their government 
uh, which amounts to lobbying. I don't believe that right should extend to Chinese military and intelligence-linked companies. So we need to ban lobbying by these companies in Washington, D.C. Okay, Peter Schweizer, author of the just-released book, Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win. An excellent book, Peter, one of your best. I always appreciate you. Thank you for sharing your time and insights with us. Thanks so much for having me, Gary. I appreciate it. While members of Congress continue to pursue a politically motivated investigation of the events of January 6th, it's time for an investigation into the greater threat posed to the future of this country. I'm talking China and the seduction of American elites in service to the Chinese Communist Party. The CCP is making unprecedented gains against the national security and economic interests of the United States. And America's corporate, political, financial, educational elite are helping them to do it. China is aggressively pursuing world dominance, and America will soon be left in the dust if it does not reverse course. It's all about making money, folks. Lots of it. Did you know that money is mentioned in the Bible more than 800 times? 1 Timothy 6.10 tells us that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from their faith and their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. In the pursuit of billions of dollars from the Chinese communists, greedy American elitists are hastening the decline of our society. We're being pierced with many sorrows. We're committing suicide. So what's the way out? Schweizer has already mentioned some of the steps that can be taken to fight back. But how about also taking a step that I've mentioned before on this program? Two words, term limits. Folks, the best way to minimize influence peddling in Washington is to limit the amount of time we allow members of Congress to serve. Power corrupts. We need to weaken the power of our politicians and remind them that they are elected to serve us, not themselves. But Congress won't vote to limit its own power. This must be a sincere, grassroots effort initiated by the states to amend the U.S. Constitution. And let's remind America's elite and ourselves that the best way to achieve prosperity is by pursuing God and loving Him more than money. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on the CBN News and NRB channel, social media, and our broadcast affiliates. And until next time, be blessed.